is good to see you here today. And um, believe it or not, it was last September that we started on this, this how-to series, looking at these practicals of the Christian faith, how to, how to navigate what, what Jesus is actually calling us to in nuts and bolts kinds of ways. And in the process of this, a lot of the how-tos were coming from questions being asked by you. And there's a whole number of them that we're going to be hitting that tie into Proverbs here as we go forward that, that I'd like to kind of speak into today. Things that are coming are like how to deal with politics, especially at home or at Thanksgiving when my one uncle is there and fill in the blank, right? How to deal with being lonely. How to deal with the sin in my life. And so many more, but there was one that actually came from multiple sources, from, from you, that I thought would be fitting for today. How to deal with kids and other annoying people. So, let's jump in. <laughs> and I want to share with you a couple of stories today to frame this. Using kids as a case study. And let's just see what this takes us here today. First story goes back to when my oldest daughter was about six months old, I would guess. And my wife and I were um, attending a large church in the Chicago area. We were serving here at the time, but, but it was a, a week off. And, and on those weeks off, I like to just go and see what other churches are doing. I like to go and worship with other believers outside of these four walls and, and remember that the kingdom of God is actually bigger than 6120 Mason Hill Road. You know what I mean? And, and I like to go there and I like to learn from them and see what they're about, which is just kind of a really nice way of saying I'm all about industrial espionage. And... We go, and we're there, and of course, I'm like looking at how the place is laid out and taking pictures on the sly and having little conversations with people and just trying to soak it all in. And this, remind you, is a large church in the Chicago area that had a prominent radio ministry. And so, when you went into their sanctuary, they had a section specifically dedicated to parents with smaller children assumedly because it was out of like the mic blast zone or something like that when they would record. So, of course, we're going to play by their rules. We go on in and we find the section and we sit down and it's me and it's my wife, Tina, and it's our daughter, Reagan, who again is about six months old. And those of you who are parents are going to start identifying with me right now when I say you know what it's like when you try to bring a young child to a church or a place like this where there's a certain sense of like etiquette, if I can put it that way, where, shall I say, disturbances kind of make you stick out like a sore thumb. You know what I mean, right? And you guys know when I speak into this that with that comes a certain level of anxiety that just kind of like kicks into gear because you're going into that situation, are they going to act up? What am I going to do if they act up? Am I prepared for when they act up? How am I going to respond? What are people going to say? How are they going to act around me? How do I kind of navigate this? And you just kind of live this way for about eight years, right? Until, well, 14 years. Until they get uh, 25 years. Until they get to a place where it starts to subside. Now, look. 
Tina came in, I mean, with the guns loaded. I mean, she came in prepared. We got like the triple diaper bag bandoliers going on. You know, this one is loaded with like Cheerios and food products and, and the bottle and all the kinds of food that we can shove in Reagan's mouth to keep it occupied. And this one is filled with like toys and blankets and cuddlies and pacifiers. And I don't even know what was in the third one, but we had it all and we were ready and we get through the opening worship and it's great and we get through the announcements and some of the the intervening kind of stuff that goes on and then we come into the message and remember it is something that is broadcast so they're trying to maintain this identity now i know as a parent that my perspective on things is often skewed okay i will admit this off the bat but with that disclaimer, I think I can honestly say, I kid you not, we got 10 minutes into this message and Reagan was doing great. I mean, she was an angel. It was perfect. And about 10 minutes in, I don't think I'm exaggerating this, she makes a sound. The sound starts to emanate from her and the sound is something pretty close to this. Eh. <laughs> now I'm a parent. I know I'm skewed. I know I can be exaggerating this. But I think I'm being pretty honest with you here today when I can tell you that in 10 minutes, the sound that emanated from my firstborn was simply... Eh. Now, we're there as high-anxiety parents in a high-anxiety place. So Tina's on her game. She starts pulling out the bottle. She starts shaking it up. And I kid you not, before she's even able to get this thing put together, some usher comes up to her and goes, Ma'am, I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to ask you to leave this room because we're trying to record here today. And dun, da, dun, da, da. Now, look, I I'm in the field, so I can kind of roll with these things. You know, it... it it's kind of hard to offend me. And I think I can honestly tell this to you today. My wife is the most easygoing person imaginable. I will put my wife against any of your wives and, put, and give you odds, all right, that she is more easygoing. But I saw something there that day. And all I can say is that the pallor of her skin started to change. And you know that vein, guys? There's that vein that kind of runs like right there and sometimes it will start to, well, pulsate. And I could this is not going to end well. All right? Fast forward, needless to say, it is literally 18 years later. And if I was to mention that name of that church today, you would see, we, we could stand her up here, and you would see that vein start to pulsate today. This is the question that I want to pose to you. How do we deal with annoying people? Okay? Let me give you another story from another perspective. It was at the previous church that I served. My wife and I were back in Belvedere many years ago. There was this family who came to the 8 o'clock service. Yes, we had an 8 o'clock service, and to this day I have no idea why. 
Church should never occur that early in the morning. Personally, I think 10.30 is too early. But they would come to... (laughs) But 8 a.m., and this is what was unique. They were a young family. Now, the tide has turned. I've learned this here at Fellowship of Faith and from my other brothers and sisters at other churches, that now early is kind of like the new late, and and parents tend to prefer to go earlier than later. I don't get it, but hey, whatever rocks your boat, all right? But this is back in the day when you did not bring young children out that early in the morning. Such things were unheard of and unseen. But this was this family, and they they, they, they had like, I stopped counting after six. I don't actually know how many kids they had, but let's just put a plus after the six and every eight o'clock service, they would be lined up like second row, like right where you guys are right now. And it was like a Partridge family thing. They were like mom and dad, and they were just kind of like all down the row by height because mom and dad wanted them in church. They wanted them learning from the earliest age possible. And mind you, this six-plus children was like 19 months old to like eight. I don't know how the math worked, but it did somehow. I mean, they were little. And mom and dad wanted them exposed to this, to be in the house of God, to be worshiping with others, to have it ingrained in them from an early age and learning what it means to be a part of the community because after all, kids are not the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Are you with me on that? And they were just amazing about it, but it was like number two down at the younger end. Maybe 19, 20 months old. Maybe maybe I'm shortchanging. Maybe it was two and a half. This brother had pipes. I mean, I'm not talking singing with, with the hymns. I'm talking just shouting whatever's on his mind out at any given time of the day from the time that the opening invocation happened to the time that the bell tolled at the end. And believe me when I say that the rest of us could not wait every 8 a.m. service till that bell tolled at the end. It didn't matter how loud he got. It didn't matter what he was throwing. It didn't matter what was going on. And I remember... The mom came and talked to me one time, completely unsolicited, mind you. Maybe she sensed that, oh, there's something amiss. I I, I don't know. But she shared something with me, and it kind of stuck with me. I want my kids to be in church. And you know what? They're not going to win. Now, any of us who have been parents of younger children can sympathize deeply with the words, they are not going to win. But you're having this moment, you know, kind of going, is winning the real attitude that we want to be instilling in church today? But more so it was this. Mom, Dad, I respect where you're coming from. But do the rest of us have to suffer in your battle zone every single Sunday? Is there more at consideration here than the fight between you and your kid? Let me repeat the question again. How do you deal with annoying people? 
Because at some base level, would you agree with me? People are annoying. Kids are annoying. Their parents are annoying. And people who are annoyed at kids and their parents are also annoying. Pastors are annoying. You're annoying. <laughs> Everyone at some level is annoying to someone at some time. Are you with me? And so I want to repeat the question again. From Jesus' perspective, as the Bible unfolds its wisdom, how are we called to deal with annoying people in our lives? Now, I want to show you a quote. And yeah, since the first time I've read this, I can't get away from it. Let me share it with you today. Ideally, however, it says the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. Christians come together not because they form a natural collocation, but because they have been saved by Jesus Christ and owe him a common allegiance. In the light of this common allegiance, in light of the fact that they have all been loved by Jesus himself, they commit themselves to doing what he says, and he commands them to love one another. In this light... They are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. Isn't that both like simultaneously so awesome and so awful at the exact same time? And I suspect that as I shared Dr. Carson's quote with you here today, that in truth it runs very opposite to your typical M.O. and place of being, and maybe more pointedly, to what you're looking for in a church here today. My experience is that when people come looking for a church, it's, it's stuff like this. Do I like the pastor? Is the music inspiring? Do they have great programming for my kids? How's the coffee? And maybe the most important of the questions, are there any hot guys or cute girls there? All of these are important questions. And all of them have their place. But don't all of them betray something? All of them seem to be concerned with the fundamental question, are there people there like me? People that I will naturally like. People that I have affinity with. People that I click with or connect with. And you'll hear this betrayed in the language all, all kinds of ways. As we all try to articulate it, right? We'll talk about how a church is just a good fit. Or it feels like home. Or they preach what, what is true. Or take positions on things that I 
believe. All of it is just a way of saying, they're people just like me. People who are just like me, natural born friends. People who won't challenge me. People who, maybe to put it another way, don't annoy me. But this isn't Jesus' picture of what the church is supposed to be. Because as important and good as some of those things are, for Jesus, there is a deeper vision of what he always wanted church to be. Because for Jesus, and what you can read off the pages of the New Testament, is the church is something very different. Something that is nothing less than a manifestation of the kingdom of God itself. A tangible representation in this world of what God wants the world to be like. Because make no mistake, Jesus' message is this, that in him the kingdom of God has come and his kingdom is everything. But it comes into a place where his kingdom does not exist. And so you get this image in the New Testament of God invading this world, invading this world to liberate it, to free it, to restore it, coming with an agenda, a dream that he always had for what world and life in it is supposed to be. And these things we call churches that we reduce into houses of worship and prayer, places of learning or fellowship or community. For Christ, we're always supposed to be something so much more. Pictures to the world of what the world could be like. Images and prophetic call to those in this world of what God wants life in this world to be like. Now, whether the church actually ever achieves this is another matter. But make no mistake, this is Jesus' vision. For what communities of believers gathering in his name are supposed to be microcosms, tangible expressions of his kingdom on earth. And his kingdom on earth is this. Learning not only to deal with but to love other people who might not be like me, despite the fact even that they might annoy me. And so what I'd like to do for the remainder of just this time today is just give you a few maybe insights, some practicals some nuts and bolts for dealing with kids and other annoying people. And I think the first place it has to start is this. Asking the question, how am I annoying? Notice the question is not this. Am I annoying? I guarantee it, you are to someone out there. Do this with me. How many people here, how many of you have ever been annoyed or are annoyed by someone else? Okay? All right, now do me a favor. Just kind of keep your hands up, all right? Now look around at the people who didn't raise their hands, all right? Now those of you who didn't raise your hands, there is a very good shot that the people that they're annoyed with are you. 
If you ever find yourself asking the question, who are the annoying people and you can't come up with someone, just realize, oh, it's me. It's me. Because all of us are annoying to somebody. I love this proverb, and I want to share it with you today. Look at how it puts it. The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. Because, see, all of us think other people are delighted with who we are and our way of doing life in this world. Who doesn't think it's funny? Who doesn't go, ah, no big deal? Who, of course, wouldn't tolerate someone as wonderful as me and think it's the best thing ever? Because, man, aren't I amazing? Guys, all of us fall victim, at times at least, of falling into this trap. The fool, the fool thinks his way is right. And we deceive ourselves deeply if we lose sight of the fact that there might be other people in this world who are not as delighted with us as we are with ourselves. That they may, in fact, find us annoying. It has to start here. Unless you want to be a fool per Proverbs, it has to start here. How am I annoying? Because unlike the fool, the wise man is willing to listen. And woman, you're not at the hook as well, all right? You could be annoying too. The wise person is willing to listen, willing to consider things from another person's point of view, willing to hear what other people actually have to say and pick up on social cues. A wise person is willing to humble themselves and come to the realization that other people who are different than me, might be bothered by who I am. The Bible calls this wisdom. Likewise, a fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. Want to know if someone's a fool? You know if someone's a fool this way. Look at how they deal with annoying people. When someone starts to annoy them, what does it do in them? Is it all blustery and belligerent? Defensive and cagey? Argumentative? Is it more on the opposite end of the sphere where they distance themselves, fail to engage, keeping some kind of buffer or barrier in place to insulate annoyance by them? This is the way of a fool. But those who are prudent, those who are wise, the way of God's kingdom of this world is something different instead. I love how Colossians puts this. Actually, read this with me. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's a fantastic saying, and it's quoted at weddings and rarely practiced in marriages, and you can find it on Hallmark cards, and, and it's just wonderful, and it's all its array, isn't it? But oh, if we were actually to live it, 
to take it from an answer to a question or an inspirational slogan to something real and tangible expressed. How do you deal with annoying people? You bear with them. You forgive them. Just as the Lord who is so annoyed by you has done the same. And over all of these, you learn to love him. Tolerance has become a mantra in our culture today, but it's nothing but a faint shadow of the way of Jesus. Tolerate God and tolerate your neighbor as yourself, no way. But to do more than that, to learn to love those who don't look like me, talk like me, act like me, value what I value. To learn to love those who bother me, annoy me, get under my skin. How do I learn to love not just my friends? The pagans can do that. But the natural born enemy that I'm called to communion with. Because the real question of church is this. How do I do the hard work of engaging in relationships with those who aren't like me? Answer that question, welcome to the kingdom of God. I want to share some stories of how Jesus lived this out and his followers did as well. This first one I'll share with you is from Mark chapter 10. You can find it in Matthew and Luke as well if you don't like Mark that much. It says, people were bringing little children to Jesus. Luke will even say they were babies. They were bringing them to Jesus to have him touch them. But the disciples rebuked them because after all, the disciples knew this is adult time. This is time for us to focus on our spiritual needs and really glean from the master what we need right now. But look at what it says. When Jesus saw this, and let me translate back out of the NIV into a more contemporary vernacular, I think, that it would say today. When Jesus saw this, he was pissed. <laughs> and he said to them, the little children come to me. and Do not hinder them. Because the kingdom of God belongs to these. Can I put it a different way? Let the people that annoy you come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to these. I tell you that anyone who does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. You have someone who's annoying in your life? You want to know what to do the next time they annoy you? Take them in your arms. Put your hand on them. Bless them. Make sure your friend is getting video while it happens. And you think I'm kidding. What would happen in that moment? Entertain the mental exercise with me. What would happen in that moment instead of our usual reaction to those who annoy us if with sincerity 
We would do the exact opposite extreme, take them in our arms, put our hand on them, and bless them. It would be ridiculous. I would like to be there to see it, because it doesn't happen in this world, because we end in the kingdom of God. But could we be? What about this? I like how Paul puts this. He's writing to this utterly annoying church, this church that's not just annoying to Paul, but man, they are so annoying to each other. They just don't get along. This church in a city called Corinth, and in chapter 12, he writes to them. He starts telling them that despite the fact that they're so different from each other, and even get under each other's skin, that, that nonetheless, they're kind of like a human body. They're really like an organic whole. And that each of them is like a body part with a critical role to play. Now let me pick up on his line of thinking. He says, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker, annoying, are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable, annoying, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, annoying, are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, it says. And each one of you, even those of you who are annoying, are an essential part of it. That's why I like how Paul puts it here. One verse from Ephesians, writing to this church, trying to navigate these relationships with each other. Submit to one another, he says. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another, even those who annoy you. Submit to one another, even those who bother you. Submit to one another, even those who get under your skin. Submit to one another and realize that they are valuable to God as well. Dare to risk lowering yourself, your needs, your wants, your pleasures, your agenda, your comfort zone to them. And make no mistake, not because they're not annoying, they certainly are. Not because we need to pretend like it really isn't that big of a deal. No, it really is. But we do it out of reverence for Christ out of reverence for him, knowing, Lord, I owe common allegiance to you. And that means following what you command. And that means loving them. Welcome to the kingdom of God. And this is about the best I can give you and the time that we have allotted today. But make no mistake, I hear you. People annoy you. Just as you annoy them. People in your family. People in 
your work, your school, people in your neighborhood, people in every circle that you find yourself in. What could it be if the kingdom of God were to be manifest through us among them? That's at least Jesus' call to dealing with kids and other annoying people. So, I'd like you to rise. And as the band makes their way forward, I want to do two things, two questions as we enter this time of, of prayer and confession and seeking God together in this place. Question one, Lord, how am I annoying? How am I annoying to people around me? Starting today. Question number two. God, how am I dealing with the people who are annoying to me? How am I doing, Lord? And is it pleasing to you today? I want to invite you with those two questions to meet God right now in this place. And uh, just tackle them honestly. 